This podcast is intended for UK and Ireland healthcare professionals only. It is my pleasure to welcome you to episode six of the Interstitial Lung Disease Academy Spotlight Podcasts, brought to you by Boehringer Ingelheim. Featuring prominent members of the UK and Ireland ILD community, these podcasts hope to shine a light on the great work that is being done around the country and break down some of the challenges that we are facing in delivering excellent care to our patients. My name is Dr. Anne-Marie Russell, a clinical academic at the University of Exeter Respiratory Institute, a Royal Devon and Exeter NHS Foundation Trust. I have a special interest in patient reported measures and outcomes in interstitial lung disease and patient-centred approaches. Joining us today is Helen Morris, the interstitial lung disease specialist nurse, the lead nurse in Manchester. Welcome, Helen. Thanks, Anne-Marie. So I wonder if you could start by uh, telling us a little, about, a little bit about yourself and your role as the lead interstitial lung disease nurse in Manchester. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, I'm, um, I've been working in Manchester for about um, six or seven years in ILD. Um, prior to that, I have a respiratory background um, in respiratory nursing in the community and um, in the acute trusts. I have a leading role in um, developing a regional network across the northwest of England and North Wales with uh, nurses and allied healthcare professionals, um, trying to make sure that we bring um, patient care closer to home. Um, using um, a network approach to our service delivery. Um, I have an interest in um, symptom management and looking at um, developing services. Sounds like you're an incredibly busy lady. Um, (laughs) So so, so just thinking about the the network and uh, you mentioned the importance of taking care closer to home. So I, I wonder whether you could maybe speak to a little bit of how the COVID pandemic has impacted or maybe changed your approach to delivery. Yeah, I mean, the COVID, COVID pandemic made things extremely difficult, I think, for everybody. Our network um, kept together as, as best it could, but many of our teams went straight to work on um, the acute wards and in virtual um COVID clinics, so we were all quite um, thinly spread um, across the region. Um, and of course, the patients do keep requiring um, antifibrotics. We needed to continue the prescriptions, but continue them safely, um, making sure that everything that we used to do beforehand was still done in different ways. So we um, relied very much on um our network teams, our GP colleagues um, and community nursing colleagues throughout the Northwest um, to help us manage the bloods so that we were safely able to prescribe treatment. We turned most of our clinics into telephone clinics and video clinics um, to ensure that we were managing symptoms and side effects appropriately. We also um, started um, a much more robust advice line um, which has been um, a very easy thing uh, to do. The patients just call us on and on the phone and we get back to them um, as soon as we can. 
um, with any queries. So uh, our patients also email us um, a lot. So we've just managed to change things a little bit by using email, virtual clinics and the telephone. We also uh, in Manchester developed a regional support group um, which was invaluable. We get 50 to 60 patients and relatives on that um, regional um, virtual support group. So we were able to disseminate a lot of information, a lot of COVID information, a lot of things that patients were asking us. We were just, um, we were we were collecting all the questions and then answering them in that virtual setting, which meant instead of answering the same question 60 times, we were answering it just once to 60 people and that made a massive difference I think and it also connected patients that were clinically extremely vulnerable to each other. Yeah no that that sounds in, in, invaluable I I wonder as well sort of specifically in your uh, region which certainly covers a, a very wide area Greater Manchester the the Northwest and, and North Wales and I suspect there's quite a lot of um, ethnic diversity there and possibly some challenges around uh, digital access and, and um, maybe some of the sort of harder to reach communities as well. Um, have you faced particular challenges in, in that regard, Helen, or uh, maybe you could share with us how you've, you've managed to engage with, with all the patients? So we are really lucky um, in our service that um, we have a lot of um, uh, we've got a, a good network of people um, that are closer to the patients that are able to um, disseminate all that kind of information and keep have managed to keep those patients fully informed in different ways. We, we really have used the telephone a lot. We've used interpreter services a lot. So we've managed things in that way. And we fully appreciate that while we're trying to become more digital, there's a, a certain amount of patients that are unable to do that and the way we've managed to keep in contact with them has been by telephone um, or even by letter if we've not been able to contact them. Um, it's been very difficult keeping on top of everybody um, because we just had to, we were told in kind of March 2020 that we just had to kind of stop what we were doing and change things within a day or so to ensure safety of patients. So Although they are difficult to um, access some of the patient communities, we manage that because we have such a good network of support teams, nurses, allied healthcare professionals that are closer to the patient's home. So Helen, it sounds like you have got a really good network of support uh, in, in your region. And given the, some of the challenges that we're facing in the healthcare professions, particularly with, with understaffing, I'm just wondering of the nature of the professions that you work with out in the community and, and sort of what they bring uh, in terms of expertise, whether it's from an occupational therapy perspective or a physio perspective. How, how does it work for you across your network? Okay, so we, we have key links um, in the community. So they are the people that will do all the referrals to the various um, services. So um, they will refer to occupational therapy, refer to their local pulmonary rehabilitation team, local oxygen services. Um, so our key links, who are nurses, allied healthcare professionals that we have done training with in ILD and have had sitting with us in clinic um, and have have good communication um, with them. Uh, we have monthly or bi-monthly 
um, virtual meetings with these Keylink uh, teams who are part of our network. They then do local referrals. Um, local referrals are important because the, it's, it, our patients are life limited, so they need uh, access to local services um, from the start, really, so that they get to know people well. And so all the referrals really for any other allied healthcare profession will be done by those key links. Yeah. Um, and, and I know from um, uh, knowing you as a practitioner, Helen, that you have provided an excellent outreach service to some of the um, the, the, the kind of hub refer, referring centres so over time. I, I guess that's possibly been a, a little bit compromised of, of late um, but but I, I guess that makes a huge difference to communication on those networks as well. Yeah, uh, they, they, they're kind of the vital link that's meant that we've been able to um, provide really good um, local services for our patients. Um, because with, for all the best will in the world, when you're at a tertiary centre, you just cannot know who does what in, in, in several different um, areas of the North West and North Wales. So, Certainly, the relationship that we have, which is it's a relationship that you know, it's it's a um, we do education, it's peer support, so we provide access to meetings. So it's a give and take type of relationship that we've we've developed, making sure that we're giving as much back as they are giving to our patients. Yeah, yeah, no, no, fantastic, and and I know Helen though when aspect of your role that's very important is your presence at the multidisciplinary multidisciplinary team meeting for uh, for diagnosis but then I guess also for reassessment of patients so is, is that something that's that's gone virtual uh, since COVID and uh, do you have a hybrid approach what what do you think the future will be in terms of making sure that nursing perspective is represented there yeah so yes we have um we have a little bit of everything, really. So we do a MDT uh, once a month with North Wales, um, which is virtual just for the sake of the fact that the travel would be hundreds of miles each way. So that is a virtual one. But our, our, our Manchester MDT is a bit hybrid, so people can dial into it, but we also have access to being in the room together, which is important. If you want to be able to speak and speak on behalf of the patient, it's it's easier to do it, you know, face to face with people and 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 get an understanding of what they their thoughts are of what you're saying. So yeah, you know, I think it's it's so important for us to you know be part of the MDT and the pharmacists and anyone else really that wants to join and um, to provide that kind of um, expert link for the patient. And so I guess following nicely on from that really is um, clearly the, the multidisciplinary team is important, but um, uh, I, I would say the interdisciplinary team is also exceedingly important, uh, possibly more so, but at least equal. Um, and I know that you're the current chair of the Interstitial Lung Disease Interdisciplinary Network, so you have a national role um, in bringing together all those professions uh, possibly through sharing good practice and, and education. I, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit more about that, Helen, please. Yeah, the interdisciplinary um, network was set up, um, I can't remember how long ago, um, by um, um, a group of, um, it was actually a group of nurses 
um, that um, recognised that there was a need to share um, knowledge, understanding and support for other healthcare professionals that had a special interest in um, ILD. There was nothing at all of its kind at that point. Um, so the network aims to provide support um, and education for our healthcare colleagues, allied healthcare professionals, um, um, nurses, physios, pharmacists, occupational therapists. We have um, a physiologist on the um, committee now. Um, we also, it's, it's European based a little bit because we have um, a specialist nurse consultant from Belgium and we have a specialist nurse from Ireland representing um, Europe for, or for the committee. Um, we're involved in um, trying, we, we, we're involved in the task force for lung health. Um, so we go supporting the ILD um, community um, for the um, task force for lung health. We um, are asked to do things nationally and provide a conference every year. Last year it was a virtual conference. Next year I'm not sure what to do. <laughs> it might be a bit hybrid, I think. Um, but our aim is really to be educating and trying to get into the workforce that see a lot of our patients but don't understand how to look after them. So certainly in the community, um, primary care, I think that's where our focus uh, certainly was our last conference. It was very much about learning about ILD from diagnosis to end of life, um, and all of what, all of what, all of all that we do in between. And and I guess there must be real value. You spoke to how you came into the interstitial lung disease specialist role, and I, I guess certainly um, a few years ago that the, that pathway wasn't clear, and and a lot of people ended up working in the ILD specialism without any formal training. So it must be incredibly val valuable to bring together uh, all those interdisciplinary professionals in one place. Yeah, I, I think as an, when you're working in um, ILD, it, it can be a little bit lonely because um, although there's three nurses in my team and uh, two pharmacists, actually some areas have one nurse who has nobody to um, kind of just turn around and say, um, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing, what should I be doing with this patient? It's, and it's, so this is, it's kind of a really valuable um, network. So... Um... So, so I, I think the it sounds as though the in, interstitial lung disease interdisciplinary network um, has a has a vital role to play in terms of support. And I, I, I wonder, Helen, thinking about some of the challenges that the nursing profession is facing in its entirety, but possibly also thinking of um, the the kind of experience of the clinical nurse specialists in interstitial lung disease, some of whom are perhaps heading into their last decade of, of employment within the specialism. Um, how, what sort of role does the network play in, in supporting that sort of growing of, of the next generation? Yeah, that's a really important um, role for us to be playing, isn't it? I think the, we, we try really hard with our conference to get as many places supported as we can do. Um, we um, 
this year I did feel that it was really important to almost start again a little bit. Um, so our role this year in our conference really was to try and encourage people from primary care and from um, secondary care, but maybe not looking after ILD patients, but not being an ILD specialist, um, nurse or physiologist or physio, but somebody with a, an interest in it to try and look and see if they want to look and learn um, to develop their roles a little bit more um, in ILD. Um, we have new committee members. The committee changes quite regularly. Uh, that brings in new people with different ideas, um, which is really important. Um, they come with new ways that they're working um, and new ways that they're trying to encourage um, people into the role. It's very difficult at the moment in secondary care to get any extra nursing um, establishment. So um, I, I think we all face a very uphill challenge at the moment to keep the um, workforce relevant um, and current um, and not being taken away from the role that they're doing to something else. Yeah, so it's so definitely a, maybe a need for, for, for greater collaboration and, and thinking possibly around approaches to symptom management that may be shared with other conditions, um, particularly perhaps with those community-based professionals. Um, I know you do do a lot of work with, with symptom management, Helen, um, and possibly some of that is taken on board by the specialist pharmacists as well. But I, I wonder maybe if you could tell us a little bit about um, the, cl the clinics that perhaps you facilitate or the clinics that are provided in your service that, that maybe um, help patients with symptom management and, and signposting. Yeah, so um, our first appointment for all of our ILD patients is with um, consultant, nurse and uh, pharmacy um, involvement. So um, it, it's a, quite a joint role um, to do the um, main um, discussion with the patients and then very often the nurses will take over for the diagnosis and the um, um, counselling of antibiotic treatment but alongside that we have quite a, a long period of time we're very lucky um, that we have a whole morning every morning that we're able to then do some symptom management we always do initial symptom management so we and, and that really does um, involve um, very basic things like um, asking someone to get a fan and start using the fan um, to help with breathlessness management and then just teaching very simple um, techniques um, to manage breathlessness um, and anxiety. At that appointment, we can usually tell when we need to do a little bit more work with anxiety and breathlessness and um, cough. And what we'll do is we'll plug the patient into a symptom management clinic which currently is a telephone clinic or a virtual clinic, um, but we would then be able to um, explore that a bit further and we try and use um, CBT techniques to manage breathlessness and, and anxiety and all, all the nurses are trained in that. Um, we, um, we're all non-medical prescribers as well, so we feel that there's a need for medication um, with um, medication for symptom management of breathlessness, we will also um, identify that. But all of our clinics, even if it's just um, supposed to be a very basic 
how are you getting on? Let's talk about your side effect management for antifibrotics. All of them include an element of uh, symptom management. And um, that's really vital. We also use our virtual support group now um, to do symptom management. We get speakers to come in and talk about energy conservation, managing breathlessness, exercising. So all of those things are done in a different way now, but mainly as effective. I think we'd like to get back to face-to-face long symptom management clinics, but that's just not possible at the moment. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that that sort of peer support as well around um, managing symptoms can often be important, that that sort of shared experience. And do you find that you have, um, for want of a better word, caregivers or, or partners of patients with a diagnosis of interstitial lung disease? Um, do you have many caregivers that, that attend those support groups as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all, mo- most people are on with their, you know, if they've got um, a wife or a, a child or or anybody that they're on the calls with them. Um, but, you know, I think it's really important that we identify that perhaps we don't give the best information out to carers. Certainly in that first appointment that we have with our patients, if the carers are there, we will ask them whether they're managing, um, whether there's anything that they want to ask. Um, it's important to, to know whether they're getting um, benefits, isn't it? And, whether you know they're very very tired and because they're very tired they're not able to um manage very well it's important for us to signpost them to um support um networks um very often um, Manchester, there's a, a great Manchester carers um network that we kind of support them sort of signpost them to and the Macmillan team palliative care hospices um we we offer them kind of support there as well so I, I'm understanding that the role of the interstitial lung disease nurse specialist is so much more than the nursing. Uh, there's a lot of, of palliative care, a lot of psychological support, um, a, a hybrid role really um, in referring into allied healthcare professionals, but replacing uh, some advice around those activities as well, such as the importance of exercise and breathing techniques. Um, so, so it, it it sounds fascinating, and I I'm I'm wondering um, if there are any any messages you would give to nurses who are perhaps um, working in respiratory or or even in a, a in a generic capacity. Um, how how would you attract them to think about becoming an interstitial lung disease nurse in in the future? I think. Um... I think the role of the interstitial lung disease is a very exciting role. Um, it is so much more than I've ever done before as a specialist nurse. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, the, the fantasticness of the ability to be able to do palliative care, um, to be able to make a difference to people's um, breathlessness management with really simple stuff is just really satisfying to see when, when you're a nurse. Um, it's a hard job because the patients are poorly, um, and it's so it's it it can be upsetting and it can be difficult. You get to know people very well, and then you know they become very poorly, and it, it's not easy to cope with. But it's an extremely satisfying job. I think I think there's a role for the network really to be trying to encourage people to come and join us um, for the ILD interdisciplinary network. 
to join us and um, you know learn a little bit more about what we can do. So it's exciting being in ILD because um, you can be quite, you can really do so much things that haven't been done before. You know, if you want to be involved in research, there's not loads of things, so you can really get your teeth into anything that you want to really. Um, and it's really nice to work as a collaborative team. So, I mean, in my past jobs, I've worked with physio before and I've always loved working with other healthcare professionals. I think it's fantastic. Um, and again, now I work really closely with the specialist pharmacists. We work with physios and, you know, the consultants. And to be part of a, a really multidisciplinary team and to have your views um, be um be listened to and people value what you do it's it's a really really lovely job no i i agree wholeheartedly helen and and so i, I think the interstitial lung disease interdisciplinary network is a is a good place for people to start if they might be interested in in knowing more in terms of the educational webinars and the conference that you offer i think you um you've relaunched a mentorship program as well to to offer support um, but and I guess also those informal uh, conversations with experienced nurses as well. Um, so so thank you, Helen. It, it's really been fascinating to learn about your role uh, within the Northwest and the national role as well. And we will um, look to um, the British Lung Foundation Task Force for Lung Health as well. Outputs in interstitial lung disease. It's fantastic that there's a nursing voice uh, within that piece of work. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. No problem, thanks for asking me.